people, welcome back to Warrior Talk, the voice of Little Rock Christian Academy, a.k.a. Warriorville. This is Gary Arnold, your host and your head of school. Every week, we want to bring to you some interesting insight about parenting, education, community, and the grace of Jesus Christ. This is an important time for our school. This is an important time for America. Here we are coming off the, all the lessons of 2020. We're entering 2021, and just a few weeks in, we have an opportunity to celebrate the courageous life of Martin Luther King, the Reverend Martin Luther King. So this is more than a holiday. This is a time to truly celebrate uh, a message that is timeless, uh, the beauty of kingdom unity, and kingdom diversity, what we call around here at Little Rock Christian Academy, racial shalom. The peace that passes all understanding, the peace that's driven by the Holy Spirit, that brings in all the various gifts, that brings in all the various nations for eternity. That's powerful stuff. That's what pleases me so much about having Mr. Moran King back at our microphone today to talk about things that we've been learning and how to then go the next step forward to have the courage that it takes to practice everything that we're learning, to do the things that we know in our heart are right and pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Harry Lee, the pastor of Mosaic Church, has taught me well that Revelation 7 is a very important chapter in the Bible where it says that all nations come together to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the time to practice on how to do that, how to come together and how to bow down as one body before him. We're in that training ground. We're dealing with kids all day, reminding them that we're a work in progress, that today's mistakes are tomorrow's opportunities. And that really brings joy into our life. One area of life that kids are notorious for, and that's uh, splitting up into in-groups and out-groups. You know, the old-fashioned word was cliques. Are there cliques at that school? Are there cliques at that church? Cliques are, are ugly, and we don't want to be a part of a click, or we don't want our kids to be clickish. Well, let's just change up the vocabulary. Basically, what we're saying is there's in-groups and out-groups, and everybody has them, and it's way past uh, race. It, it definitely includes race, but it, whatever it is, we just like to divide up, yet Christ calls us to unite up. So I'm going to ask Mr. King to teach us a little bit more about this interplay of in-groups and out-groups and how we get past that. Moran, what do you think? I love the way that you, I guess you say, dated yourself and using the terms click because that's a that's an idea I think that we can all come around. We we really understand the click. We've all either been a part of one or hated someone that was in one because we couldn't get into the click that they were actually in. Miles McPherson kind of levels that and gives us such simple language of in-group and out-group. You have to be careful about rationalizing your in-group. Um, you talked about Martin Luther King Jr. There were a lot of people that were in the African-American community, in the minority communities, that were not along for what Dr. King was trying to accomplish. There were a lot of uh, detractors from the movement 
uh, in the black community. There were some African-Americans that wanted to remain segregated. They wanted to keep black schools. They wanted to have black establishments. They, they wanted not even necessarily separate but equal, but just be separate. Give me mine and leave me alone. So Dr. King's work was not just to convince white America to give black America an opportunity. His work was a lot to the black community to say, give yourself a chance. Give yourself this opportunity. Pull yourself up. The same messages that he was espousing to white America, to government, to institutions and the systems, those were the same messages that he wanted for black America to live with. He wanted that message to his people first. There were a lot of times where we have looked back on integration as a horrible thing. There are some blacks that will tell you that we were a lot better off when we were segregated, that integration was the disruption of the black community, that integration was the disruption of the black family. And But Martin Luther King said, listen, it's about character. It's not about the color of your skin. Can you really do justice across the board, not looking at a race, not looking at a gender, not looking at socioeconomics, but can you can there just be justice with no bias? What works for one has to work for all. Martin Luther King was a very balanced man. I'm reading more intently into his words and I'm getting greater messages now than I did before. The message that I, I received before was solely on race. The message that I'm hearing now, godliness, it is righteousness. I didn't hear that before. How was I listening before? I was listening from a place, again, of racial disunity. And then there was no desire to want to have true racial unity. Because even though we, want, we can say, I want to get along with my neighbor, I want to, but do you really want to get along with your neighbor? <laughs> do you do you really want to get along with your neighbor? Do I really want to have dinner with the Arnolds? Do I really want to do I really want to lay down how I do things to have dinner with the Arnolds? To, and and it's not, and it becomes less about the fact that I put salt on my food and you don't. It becomes less about that. Can I really trust who you are? So when we talk about in groups and out groups, in groups don't trust out groups at all. In-group says that everybody that's not in my group, something is so egregiously wrong or different about you that we just cannot allow you into this space. Your difference disrupts what I think is my sameness or what I think is my eliteness. Your difference does that. My grandmother in her lifetime, she was a domestic. She was a day worker. I can remember her getting dressed in her white uniform, and she and some of the other ladies in the community, they would work what we would call across town or what was just simply termed as white town for some of the exec company execs in the city, and she would work for those individuals. They were amazed at her culinary genius. They literally wanted her to, I mean, whatever she cooked, for us, that was just like what we ate every day. That food that she would make, man, it would make them so happy. And they, they just loved her so much. And they just wanted her to bring her culture into their home. However she made it, 
There was no complaining about it. They wanted more of it. They didn't come in and ask her, even though they're inviting her into their space, they did not ask her to, to change the way that she made a dish. In our in-groups, I have to be courageous enough to allow a person to uh, present to me what they have. How you present to me, Dr. Arnold, I have to be courageous enough to open that door. My in-group says to me that I don't have to come out of my comfort zone. And I, I don't think that's the real word I want to use, comfort zone. But I don't want to have to deviate from my ideals. I don't want to have to deviate from how I process. I, I don't want to have to change anything about. And if anything that you're presenting to me, Dr. Arnold, challenges that, you're going to be in my out group. We've seen those television shows where you have the popular kids and the unpopular kids. And then there's something happens where one popular kid is is helped by an unpopular kid. And then some kind of way the group feels like there's a threat that's going to happen now because you accepted help from a loser. And this person is saying, no, this is just my friend. This is just this person that helped me. Not wanting to allow that person into that group could be damaging for that group because they all could possibly benefit from that help. So why not benefit from the help? But because I don't want the person, because I don't want the disruption in my life. You know, what you just said really resonates with me because it does all boil down to courage. You know, the courage to break down the barrier, separating ins and outs. And where do we get that courage? I, th I think we get it from the Lord. As Christians, we have an advantage. Our year verse this year is, in all things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We've got the ability. Now it's just a matter of, of, of our willingness to step out and make a difference, to make things change. I want to get to something else that Miles McPherson brought up in his book, The Third Option, and that was the whole concept of blind spots. You talked about selective hearing a few minutes ago, and then that relates to blind spots in a major way. I, uh, I was in Ann Chalmie's office a couple of days ago, and I saw a book entitled Blind Spots, and she's just realized that she has some. And then, of course, as she uh, tells me that, I, I'm convicted that I have some blind spots. Truth is, we all have blind spots. They really impede our growth to be followers of Jesus Christ. Can you talk a little bit more about what Miles McPherson means by blind spots and how they fit into this conversation on racial shalom? The blind spot, it's that place where in-groups don't really know what they fear. They really don't know what's really happening around them. And it's not as simple as you just don't know. Saying you just don't know really kind of gives you a pass. Socrates said that an unexamined life is, is a life not worth living. And so we have to be able to examine our own thoughts and how we process and why we do what we, we need to examine our own lives sometimes and not use our own selves as the standard. Be willing to allow another measuring stick to come into your and come into play. Use a different set of standards than you used before. Use God's measuring stick to be that standard that challenges your ideas. So when we think of blind spots, as Miles McPherson was stating about blind spots, he talked about blind spots is the gap between intent and impact. What we say and what we do, how it affects and impacts others. We didn't mean for it to impact them, but it still it had a residual effect on them. A lot of times when we're around issues of race, we really, and, and watch this, even when we think we have gotten rid of our racial biases, it becomes a blind spot because you now you become a do-gooder in a sense. 
I'm going to help these disadvantaged this. I'm going to give myself to. But at the same time, even though you're giving something that is good, have you offended that culture? Have you offended them by even offering them this? Have you offended them by going into their communities and disrupting how they flow? And then you're going to come and tell them this is a better way to do what you do. Even though I'm trying to give you help, even though I'm trying to give you these services, even though I'm trying to make your life better, who says that what you're doing is going to make my life better? Who says that your idea of better is better? So we have to really take that lens and look back and say, let me let, let me just take a step back. Am, do I really have a blind spot to this or am I really trying to get them to be like me? So with a blind spot, it's more than just that card that's in your that you don't see in your rearview mirror. It's greater than that. Sometimes the blind spot, you don't have a chance to correct yourself. You don't have a chance to correct the damage before it's done. I just want to be able to change lanes without putting my blinker on. But in our blind spots, we don't have a, a, sometimes that opportunity to self-correct because we've already done the damage. We've already had the, the impact. It's been done. As a witness, I can say we've come a long way as a school community. We've learned an awful lot this year to set, tell us that we've got a long way to go. And so what's been really great about encountering the third option is that we, we have a pathway on which to tread. So I would encourage all of our listeners to pick up a copy of the third option by Miles McPherson. Uh, the board's been studying it. School leadership's been studying it. Faculty were introduced to it this week. And uh, within the next couple of months, we're going to be leading uh, our high schoolers through the principles that Miles McPherson brings out in the third option. So if you want to see our growth chart, if you want to see our map for navigating the next steps in racial shalom, this is it. And so come and join the party. Read the book along with us so we can just keep this conversation going among us. In fact, we would like to provide you with the paperback book. If you're listening and would like a copy of this book, please email me at gary.arnold at littlerockchristian.com and we'll make sure you receive a copy. There are people that have committed to this pathway with us that want to make that resource available for anyone who's interested. As we close out, yes, we're celebrating the life and message of Martin Luther King Jr., and there's a yet another leader that I'd like to quote that seems to capture everything that we've said last week and this week. It's from Nelson Mandela. He says this, where you stand depends on where you sit. Think about that short sentence. Think about it in terms of everything that we're trying to do to build into kingdom unity and diversity, racial shalom, right here at Little Rock Christian Academy. Well, until next week, go in peace and go Warriors. Go Warriors.